0: And welcome to Peer Pressure. Today's guest is Mike Sabatini of Attacker, the drummer for Attacker. We will talk about things like uh, how they got to be on the Metal Massacre 5 compilation back in 1984. Playing European festivals. And, uh, And if he knew now when he wrote songs to drum to 30 years ago would he have written the same songs please stay tuned we're wfmu thanks to lita martinez for editing the podcast and thanks to liz berg for handling all the other podcast duties And it is time for me to welcome my peer pressure guest, Mike. Hi, how are you doing, Diane? I am good. Let me see if I can get your microphone up here a little bit.
1: Yes. Ah, there we go.
0: Oh, all right. fabulous. Now
1: we're g- now we're cooking. Yes. So <laughs> my,
0: my guest is Mike Sabatini of Attacker. Yes. And thank you for coming.
1: Uh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's and, great to be here.
0: And uh, you got into a, a car accident. Yes,
1: right on here. the way here. It's uh, so metal. Oh, trust me, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, especially when you hear the crunch of the back of your car. Yeah, oh, it's uh, oh, pretty no. metal. <laughs> but uh, yeah, not, not a great way to start the interview. But uh, you know what? Things will get better, I'm sure.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> and you said you wanted to say something to your coworkers? Yeah, I have to say so something say,
1: uh, to my uh, coworkers at Verizon. Uh, Saturday night, we're going to be appearing at Dingbats in Clifton. Yes,
0: you are. And
1: uh, each employee is required to show up. Otherwise, it could lead to discipline. Or, ultimately, in termination. So I just want to let everybody know that they had better be there.
0: I see. So you're a higher up at Verizon, apparently. Uh, absolutely. You give the orders.
1: Uh, not really, but I'm just giving them right now.
0: Okay. <laughs> and, and I do hope that uh, the general public will take that invitation, forget about the termination part. Yeah, I can't go terminate To them. To, uh, to Dingbats. Dingbats being a local uh, supporter of the, the heavy music scene for years. Yes, yes. And, uh, I mean, the first that i know that attacker had out was the uh a track on metal massacre 5.
1: yes call on the attacker was the very first thing we ever uh we ever put out oh it was yeah that was that was 1984.
0: yes it was yes,
1: i remember <laughs> it as if it was 1984. well and the
0: thing <laughs> is right i mean the bands that are on this right voivod overkill fates warning hellhammer like Metal Church was that an insane time or what was going on and how did that happen for you guys?
1: I, I tell you the truth, we it's kind of weird the whole the whole thing with uh, you know the band like we we had done a demo in I believe it was January of '84 mm-hmm. and I basically sent them out to people you know we sent them to a lot of magazines, fanzines you know that was real that was a big happening thing back then. And uh, I remember getting a review in Metal Forces magazine from England. Oh, yeah, of course. And they loved the demo, and they, you know, they basically said at the end of it, somebody sign these guys up. Next thing you know, I had sent the, you know, the demo out to all the labels. I get a, a contract from Metal Blade to have a song on Metal Massacre 5. So mm-hmm. we wound up taking that, and I guess we had gotten good enough reviews from Metal Massacre that probably a couple, two months later, we got a contract in the mail for a full album.
0: Oh for Battle of Helms Deep. For Battle of Helm's
1: Deep, yeah. So that's it was all really, really quick. So it was like kinda cool.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, just we got together, did a demo and next thing you know, we got signed.
0: What so. an amazing time.
1: Ah, that, that whole era was just, you know, it's, uh, you, when you think about, like you said, all the bands on the on that ma- metal massacre, and it's <laughs> know, like, it's crazy. you know, it's, it, really, it really is crazy. It was a, such, such a great time to be, you know, to be doing what we were doing.
0: And you are still doing what you were doing.
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, we did take a lot of years off, because originally in 88, we kind of disbanded. And it wasn't until about, I believe it was about 2000, because our uh, original guitar player, Jim Mooney from Battle at Helms Deep, had passed away. Oh, and, that long um, ago. Yeah, it was, and uh, and we had, uh, and our bass player, old bass player Lou, uh came to us with the ideas like, "Hey, why don't we do another album dedicated to Jim?" That's what ultimately became Soul Taker, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, uh up until that point, people would ask me, "Oh, is Attacker ever going to come back?" And I pretty much said, "You know what? I doubt it's ever going to happen." Oh. You know, I mean, and I had no, no we're I- wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, I had no inclination, and I was like, "Nah, that's." That'll never happen. Not a chance. But hey, look.
0: Were you still drumming while attacker was? Oh um, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I always
1: kept playing and stuff, and, you know, I did like some fun things, but nothing, nothing real serious. I actually, had believe it or not. Uh, an Accept cover band and around 95, just doing all Accept stuff, because I loved it so much. It
0: wasn't with, um, with with Udo's brother, was it? No, it wasn't. Because okay. <laughs> okay. he has an Accept cover band. Well,
1: No kidding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: his brother does. Yeah. Wow. I, well, I don't know if he still does, but I do know he did. Um, a listener actually wrote in and said, saw you in Jersey Dogs at the China Club opening for Monkey Pop.
1: Probably yeah. Does yes. does. I and remember he said those days.
0: He said those poor parrots. So I don't think I ever went to the China Club. Do they have parrots?
1: Uh they probably did. I don't. I, you yeah. know what? I don't even remember that. But he could be right. Yeah. Because it was a little bit of a. F- you know, it was a little bit of a. You know, frou frou place. I guess outside of the metal nights that they had on Sundays. Right. Other than that, I guess it was a little more, you know, a little nicer of a place. So they they might have had parrots, (laughs) (laughs) which ultimately probably died from the the volume. I was going to
0: say, (laughs) I'm not sure how. Yeah, I was
1: like, parrots, okay. Yeah. I don't remember that, but.
0: The, um alarm has gone off yes i was gonna say you know
1: i was like <laughs> i end. was just about to say wait a minute i got rear-ended <laughs> now we're going to be interrupted by a fire alarm <laughs> it's
0: okay i got i've got we've got an exit right here we'll be fine oh, thank god but uh, <laughs> there
1: is no fire all right good it must did. have been just a, a test of the emergency broadcast system
0: yeah uh, perhaps so then how long was your break for let's see in terms of the, um, well, why don't you just catch the listeners up on what's going on with Attacker now and really how that timeline went.
1: All right. Well, uh, like I said, we had gotten back together probably, I guess, around 2000, the idea was put in to do the next record. And we wound up, it took a couple of years to kind of get it finalized because our, our bass player, Lou, at the time was busy with work. He wound up, even though it was his idea to do it, he dropped out. Mm-hmm. Had another friend of mine, Felix Torres, came in, joined on bass. We did Soul Taker. Uh, we wound up going to Europe for the first time after the Soul Taker record, getting to Germany, Holland, I think, in 2004, which was great because we had never been there before. Oh, yeah. Um, 2005, we went back to Germany again, did some festivals in the summer. At that time, we were writing the fourth record, The Unknown. And during the course of that, uh, Felix w- uh, wound up leaving, and Lou uh, had kind of cleared up some stuff. He came back into the band, and he actually finished up recording The Unknown. We released that in 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, did a cool little tour in Europe in 2006. We went to Italy, Greece, Holland, and Germany. So that was like our mini vacation slash tour. And I guess uh, 2007, we didn't do a whole lot. We kind of just laid low, worked on some new stuff. 2008, we went back to Germany, uh, did the Keep It True Festival once again that we had done previously. After that, we had let our singer Bob go, and we pretty much after that it kind of we kind of took off for a couple of years. You know, everybody mm-hmm. kind of had things going on in their lives, and we just kind of let it go for then. And uh, it wasn't until earlier in this year that uh, we decided to try and start it up again. Obviously, had to find a new singer, and uh, which we did. He kind of fell right in our laps. Uh, you know, Bobby Lucas. He contacted me. Through uh, uh he play- he was playing in a, a band called Overlord, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you're probably familiar with, mm-hmm. and the guitar player Mark, who's obviously he's a friend of mine as well, he mentioned to Bobby that we were looking for a singer. Hey, why don't you try you know see if you know they'd be interested in having you sing, and that wound up getting hooked up. Worked out great. Lou decided again he wasn't really into doing metal stuff, so we brought in uh, John Hanneman on bass. John and I had actually been playing uh, in, in our studio with, uh, you know, you know Larry Naroda.
0: Oh, sure. I mean,
1: we were jamming with Larry, but that kind of wasn't going as, as fast as I wanted to. So when the attacker thing kind of opened up again, I asked John. I basically said, look, you're a good player. Your stuff is here. Why not join? And that was it. You know, he's already in the room paying rent. Right. And, <laughs> and I was <laughs> right. like, you know. You don't have to move anything. No, exactly. Just amp stays right where it is. And uh, so him and Bobby are the new guys in the band. And so far, it's been great. You know, they did a great job on the new album and, you know, we're psyched to get out and play again.
0: So it really sounds like things are just sort of falling into place because I was wondering about, you know, like, you know, losing Bob Mitchell and how do you replace, like, what do you do to replace a voice like that? Do you really... Yeah. Um, imagine what you want or just wait do you try to get the same kind of singer no well, you,
1: I tell you what you know what it is I guess w- w- what we do it's more about somebody that can hit the notes or hit you know you don't have to sound exactly like the person right but you can't come out with a singer that's a totally different style when you've had you know we're a band that's you know historically had higher voices in the band you know Bob Mitchell and you know a second singer John Leone from the second coming mm-hmm. uh, so you know Bobby actually Bobby Lucas can actually hit all those guys, so it's 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 fine. It's basically he can hit the notes and it sounds great. Does he doesn't sound exactly like them, but that's fine. I don't you know you, you don't, don't want a carbon copy, a Ripper Owen. No, thing exactly, though. no. And um <laughs> and honestly, is you know he's he's he does a fantastic job on the old stuff. So I think when everybody hears him singing the old stuff, they'll be really pleased. Cool. So yeah, it's like I said, it's a tough thing, and there's not many people around these days that do that anymore.
0: Yeah, well that's it's it. a dying
1: art, really. Yeah. You know, it's for that kind of singing. So. Uh, we actually got lucky.
0: It's not something that a youngster decides they're going to go out and, and, and learn like power metal vocals. It, yeah, I'm going
1: to study Halford and Jeff Tate and Bruce Dickinson. Most of them, you know, most of the newer kids are into more of the heavier, you know, more screamy stuff. So yep. it, it's definitely, uh, you know, there's probably a handful of guys left, so you got to hang on to them. You have this new. New CD, yes, it'll that's entitled Giants of Canaan. I've oh. heard some people call it Canon, so I just wanted to clarify. Oh, no, you know,
0: <laughs> Canaan, right? You got the double A thing in <laughs> exactly, there, exactly. But and how long ago this is this is a demo that we have here, folks. So oh.
1: that's well, that's the actual record, it's just the uh, that's the copy from the mastering lab because the uh, the CD won't be released until uh, February 2nd mm-hmm. in Germany when we're over there playing, which will be in a few weeks.
0: Oh, great, that's perfect. Yes. And do you have a U.S. label?
1: Uh, no, the actual the, I can't actually Announce the label yet It's a European label But they haven't made The official announcement Oh, so oh got it okay. But they'll, they'll Ooh, be doing world, yes, They'll be doing There's Worldwide secrets. distribution So it'll be available Pretty much everywhere
0: Oh, and I did want to Ask you about um, Sentinel Steel Yes Just because um, Dennis used to be Local here And I just knew him From his How did you hook up With him or slash them For the unknown record
1: um, Well, actually he had, he had done the Re-releases of the First two albums Battle at Homes Deep And Second Coming oh, On so Sentinel he did Steel those first. Okay. So uh, I guess at the time when we did get back to do Soul Taker, he wasn't in a position to do anything else label-wise, so mm-hmm. he had uh, introduced us to Andy Prizig, who was the guy who owned Iron Glory Records in Germany. He was over here visiting. Uh, he's like Dennis, has a mail order business, you know, and does a lot of sales at festivals, has a right. booth and everything. Right. So uh, we wound up putting it out through his label in Germany, but by the time the unknowns, uh, you know, we got into you know, mode for doing that, Dennis was ready back, you know, to do it again, so we wound up working with him again, because out of everybody we've ever worked with, he's probably the he's the most honest guy we've ever worked with. He's he page, fabulous. No, he is. He yeah. pa- he's you know what he his word is his word you know we sold CDs he paid us for them and it was you know it's it's amazing to have somebody actually not try to word a contract to you know to rip you off basically you know to <laughs> right. give you you know 10% of the net after 10% of this is out of that you know right it's uh, yeah he's it's just a one nice one page contract and and every 6 months we got paid and it, it was great
0: yeah he's a you know a lot of integrity
1: that guy uh, absolutely yeah. Ma- as a matter of fact i'm going <laughs> to be meeting him this evening oh he's good. actually coming into the area he has to he has to drop off some uh, some stuff for me because of the shows we have coming up. He's giving me some of the the unknowns and some oh, of right. the Soul Taker stock yeah, he has. Sell, so sure. we're going to be meeting up with him this evening. And oh, that's great! Yes. Well,
0: tell him that I said hi because oh, yeah. he used to live in my neighborhood. Actually, oh, okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah he, he
1: was okay. in uh, Lake Hopatgang, right? Yes, he was. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Now he's up in Massachusetts.
0: Oh yeah, I know. Yep. Um. Oh, you know, I did want to ask you actually. You you have engineering and recording credits on some of your CDs. Yes. Are you? Is that a thing that you do also um, for d- other bands?
1: Uh, you know what i have done like s- demo things for bands and uh you know not i haven't really done any like full records you know we did the unknown ourselves the new mm-hmm. album was actually done by myself and a guy who's sitting right to my right here my co-engineer and <laughs> um you know so he- him and i are actually working together now on some stuff and uh you know doing some we're actually in the middle of doing a project right now i don't know if you're familiar with karen cool Sure. From Hobart. Well, yep. we're actually. I played drums on her new record. Oh. Because our old bass player Lou is part of her band now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, I played on the record, and him and I have, uh, you know, uh, actually in the middle of mixing it right now. Oh, great. So other than that, we haven't done a lot, but we're probably going to look to maybe do some stuff because you know we've had good results, and uh, you know if, if we can do it and help some bands out, why not? Mm. You know, m- put a little money in our pocket too. Why Yeah. Not?
0: <laughs> exactly, and it's just so. I mean, I hate to say it's so funny, but. You know, hearing that Attacker is like a Hoboken or Weehawken-based band. <laughs> is just so, it's so warming. You know, it's, it's like, you're not saying New York.
1: You know? no, well, you know, I mean, I grew up in Hoboken. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I live in Weehawken now, but I'm a Hoboken guy. That's, that's where my heart lies. And the funny thing is, is that we kind of never, we never really got much... Respect from Hoboken itself because Hoboken was more of an alternative scene, you know with the whole Maxwell thing Yep, so it's kind of funny how you know you have all these bands the Hoboken bands, you know, we've been doing it for how many years and we never really kind of get mentioned in being in the Hoboken bands, but right. you know, but that's okay. That's yeah, You know,
0: Hoboken is is selective about that, and yes. saying that you've been doing it for so many years. So you've been drumming with Attacker for thirty years. How long have you been drumming?
1: Uh, actually, I was I was only playing for like a year and a half when I started Attacker. Mm-hmm. You know, because I actually started late. I started drumming at the age of nineteen. Okay, I was actually in college, and uh, it was funny because uh, our old bass player Lou and I we we met in college. Matter of fact, at Saint Peter's College in Jersey City. And we, we always make a joke that we changed all our majors to metal. So, you know, <laughs> you know we probably... I ch-
0: yeah, I changed my major to radio. See, you know, yes, and and
1: okay. in hindsight, we probably should have stayed in school. But, <laughs> 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 but uh, we're doing fine, you know, in life otherwise. But sure. uh, <laughs> metal's a tough thing.
0: It can be. Because I was just wondering, did you, um, when Attacker was taking breaks... Um, you said you were kind of drumming in other projects and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's like hard to keep your chops up, especially as a drummer. In it, as time goes by, there yes. are there are certain things that uh, that you do have to really be very focused about keeping up. Well,
1: lo- let me let me say one thing to that. If I would have known that twenty five to thirty years later I'd be playing some of the stuff I played on, like the, especially the Second Coming record, yeah. the double bass stuff, uh-huh. I might have played a little simpler because <laughs> it's very. It's uh, to this day. When we do any of those songs, those songs beat me up. Though they're very mm-hmm. challenging, yep. you know. Because again, I don't, you know, I don't have twenty-five-year-old legs anymore, right. you know. And you know, and, and again, working for a living, maybe if I just was, if I was a professional drummer and I just get up when I get up, whatever, might be different. But when you're working all day, it takes a toll.
0: Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was my really the main the main thing. It's like, yeah, it's, it, it, are trying. there any songs that you won't play live?
1: No, I. You know what? I can do them all, mm-hmm. but it's you know, I, I work. It's uh, there's a handful but of then them you that you need ru-
0: like a song with. Like a real slow intro next or exactly whatever, let's like. let's
1: do like in the first album song that was a little slower yeah yeah i definitely have to place the set in yeah. a certain order this way yeah. it, it doesn't you know it doesn't drive me off the edge <laughs> it's it's tough
0: and uh, and your new singer um how old is he
1: uh, Bobby, I believe he's in his mid-40s. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so I mean, we're, okay. we're all in the same age bracket, so you know you didn't, what I mean?
0: you didn't get a ringer? No, no, like no, no, a no. L- Like a young?
1: A- actually, incidentally, after, uh, you know, we got, had gotten, uh, let Bob go back in 2008, we did have a uh, a younger singer who was actually, he was only 20 years old.
0: I saw him. I saw you play with yeah. him. Yeah. Oh, that you were there? Okay, yeah. There.
1: Yeah. Uh, Walter was a great singer. And it just you know what it was it was just an age thing and I just you know it's like I think about it and I'm like well when I was 20 I wasn't really hanging out with guys in their 40s he wound up going on to do some things I guess with younger guys which is probably where he should have been mm-hmm. you know but it was you know he was he was good he was a good singer it just he was, uh, yeah. it just wouldn't it just wouldn't have worked I think in the long run because I knew he would have went on to you know bigger and better things or something anyway so
0: yeah and and I have to uh, as a, a person who attended that I saw you at Dingbats that show. I kind of had to not look at him. Yeah, he was sounding fine. Yep. but just him standing there with you guys there was yeah um, right,
1: exactly. He it yeah. just it was a little bit of a mismatch in that in that yeah. thing you know. But only
0: in that way. Yeah. But you know, I mean, that is when you're doing shows. I mean, I think a, a lot of your appeal is in the festival, you know, circuits sure. and that kind of thing. So that is all, like, live, especially in, in Europe. And I would guess uh, that you're probably more popular in some ways in Europe than oh, here. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, because uh, they you know- really appreciate the the... Power metal more and,
1: and you know what it is too, they they kinda they never sway from what they liked in the first place. They don't they don't say, Well, oh, I used to like Judas Priest when I was in high school or something. It's they to them it's like it's still a lifestyle and they like the old stuff. They do mm-hmm. like new stuff, but they never like disavow, you know, the things that they did like. They still I mean, there's this guys come to shows with their kids and the kids have little patch jackets on, you know, with all yeah. the bands on it. So <laughs> it's definitely a lifestyle. Where here it's more of a, you know, more of just a, an occasional hobby.
0: Well, you have a great calendar put together, and then uh, there's a Facebook um, attacker band on Facebook, right? Yes, you and can then, visit us uh, on that. Do You have a regular website? Uh, yes, site?
1: we actually just got that up. It's actually www.attacker.tv. Oh, okay. It's a little sparse right now because we're just getting it up and running again. It's been down for a couple of years, but it's mm-hmm. it's back, and there's all the dates are on there. There are also, co- you know, it's an updated photo, a little you know, news thing, updated the bio. So, but little by little, we'll get it back, uh, you know, into full swing.
0: Awesome. So you are here to be a guest DJ, yes. which was the uh, original invitation. Yes. And uh, what do you want to start with
1: today? Let's start with uh, let's start with some uh, some sacred oath. I think that's right, there. I, I believe and, track uh, number three.
0: And tell me about Sacred Oath. Tell the uh, listeners about Sacred,
1: sacred Oath. They're oath uh, a great band out of Connecticut. Uh, you know, a good friend of mine, Rob Thorne, is the uh, you know guitarist, lead singer. We were also label mates with them on Sentinel Steel for a while and uh, actually I believe the show you attended at Dingbats that time they were on the bill
0: they were they were they and were. Steel
1: Assassin were on the bill as well yeah and um, you know just a, a great band great guys you know I just want to you know give a little respect to our peers here you know and, uh, and friends and play a little tune hopefully yeah. uh, I think Rob said he might be listening I just saw a, a Facebook message so he may be listening
0: let's see and if he
1: is hello Rob we're so going to do track number three which is the called King Must The Die. King
0: Must Die a nice
1: little ditty I enjoy it
0: alright So my guest is Mike Sabatini of Attacker, and here is some Sacred Oath. Stay tuned. return mike sabatini is my guest
1: yes i'm here
0: and uh so let, let's uh go over what we just heard that's arctic flame
1: yes it was that was uh the song man made man and uh those guys are going to be on the bill with us on saturday night at dingbats so uh make sure you come out and support everybody you know the local scene needs to help
0: yeah absolutely and uh who oh uh present darkness and operatica element are yes. also on that yep. and what time are you guys going on
1: uh we'll be on at 10 30. Okay. A nice early time, so uh, come on out, hang <laughs> out, ha, you know, have a beer, whatever, whatever you want to do, some coffee, whatever you feel like.
0: Excellent. And then uh, Sacred Oath from Connecticut before that. Yes, Sacred Oath. Killer. Hi, and Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on, well, you said you started drumming at 19,
1: so you were... I was a late bloomer, yeah. Yeah.
0: So what were you looking at to sort of learn from or... Uh, or to
1: tell you the truth, I, I guess I started out like a lot of drummers. I was listening to Neil Peart. I think mm-hmm. everybody, uh, you know, initially a lot of drummers will say that that's like the first person or, you know, one of the first people because obviously he's an amazing drummer. You listen to guys like that. But I quickly, you know, had discovered like I had I'd already liked, um, you know, stuff like Maiden and Priest, Scorpions, Riot, Accept, Anvil, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I guess I ultimately gravitated towards that style of drumming. And uh, I would say probably, like I said, Accept was probably my, my biggest influence back then. Okay. I love Stefan Kaufman's drumming, amazing mm-hmm. drummer, you know, great, the d- d- double bass stuff and everything was just phenomenal. So that kind of, that, that's what kind of set me on the road, I guess, to the whole double bass thing.
0: And was that something that you had really thought of when you started drumming? Was it, did you sort of start off saying, I'm going to be a double bass drummer? You know what?
1: I did. I actually had two bass drums from, from the get-go, mm-hmm. but... It wasn't until I heard like Fast as a Shark that I realized, wow, listen to how fast that guy is. And that's obviously, uh, you know, that was like a an impetus to try to emulate that, you know. Right. And a, at that time, that was like, you know, bombastic drumming. And then, you know, a couple of years <laughs> later with Slayer and Metallica, you know, hitting it harder, it was like, oh, all right, forget it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Funny that you say bombastic drumming because Mike and I had a little conversation online last night about yep. accept and, and the way they have, the, he's got the. The floor toms mounted yeah. on the side. They're
1: actually they're actually <coughs> bass drums. They're actually yeah, they are, open, you're right. They're actually big open bass drums. Yeah. And also um, Vinnie Appice did that. He had them on the last uh, Heaven and Hell tours and, and stuff. He played them though he, yeah, fairly he, frequently. Yeah. He <coughs> got uh, he would hit them a lot. He got up and did his little drum solo on them. Yeah. But um, I guess I guess it's a cool thing to add, and it's you know a little more bottom end to really you know long pound you through the them. PA. I have, yeah.
0: Because I saw except twice on. Uh, Oh I forget the name of that album tour. Um the first album that Mark Tornello Blood of the Nations. Them. Right yeah yeah and uh and the one show I know for a fact he did not hit those drums at all and I was really, you know, that sort of deflates you. It's like, you really?
1: You That's, might, you you might want to write him about that, you know.
0: I might. I, might. It's obviously something <laughs> I'm not over.
1: Yes, you know, it's, it's, it's sticking, it's sticking <laughs> in your craw, so to speak. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so do you still use two bass drums or do you do double pedal? Drum? um
1: Believe it or not, I use a double pedal now but I have two bass drums on the kit because I just like the aesthetic of it. It's, it's, I did play a single one for a long time, just one kick drum live. Mm-hmm. I decided, you know what I like the way it looks I like mounting the other drums on the you know the whole kit like that it's easy it's easy to mount and it definitely looks it's metal two kick drums is metal (laughs) you know it has to be so I wound up getting it and it just to me the whole kit just looks you know like it screams metal so but I play still play a double pedal within the kit though Cause I'm used to it now, so I figured out why, why buy two separate ones.
0: So is there w- so one drum you're not actually hitting?
1: Yes, the yeah. Actually, my left bass drum is just kind of look. It's there for looks.
0: Oh, that's like the the, the stack of Marshalls. You know, like it is the, the, s- the yeah. wall of Marshalls. Exactly right. Yeah. They have
1: that kind of must be just like a facade, you know. Yeah. And they have a little you know right. little one twelve speaker. Buy, you cabinet. know, I'd
0: like to get that as wallpaper. It is pretty just cool. Like the stack of Marshalls as wallpaper. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I
1: thought about that. I'm like, that's a cool <laughs> thing to build, you know, just to have <laughs> it for the stage, even though it's not really real, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it still looks cool though. It gives yeah. you a cool uh, that old metal vibe.
0: Well, how old is the drum kit that you're playing now?
1: Uh, the one I have now is pro- I think I bought it in maybe 2007 I believe oh, so okay. it's not that old. It's okay. a Yamaha recording custom kit so it's pretty pretty new.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you bought it, was there the question of what's going to fit better like how the hardware fits with a single bass drum or with a double or you just um, you? I
1: actually had, I bought that kit with the one bass drum. I, I was playing it oh, for really? a couple of years with the one, yeah. I had uh, three, three mounted toms, one floor tom, you know, the snare drum and bass drum now I had added the extra kick, and I added an extra floor tom. So I have three mounted toms in front of me and two floor toms. So with you have the nothing mounted
0: on the other drum then? Uh,
1: actually, well, well technically, yes. I have the uh, the tom holders are mounted on it. Mm-hmm. So, but like, but we, don't, but I don't actually have a pedal hitting it. The double pedal is hitting the uh, my right kick drum, which is my main. Got it. But it, I, I just to me, I just like the feel of it. You know, I like the feel, I like the look of it. So that's why I figured, you know what, w- why not do it? Is your you kit know? black? No, it's actually uh, cherry wood. Oh, yes, yeah, so it, it, it actually looks like a fine piece of furniture, mm-hmm. and believe it or not, tomorrow do you I have use to actu- pledge on it. I was just going to say, actually, I do. <laughs> <laughs> because y- yeah, I dust them off, get yeah. all the sawdust from the sticks off, yeah. and I'm actually going to go there tomorrow and have to b- you know break the whole set down for Saturday. I'm actually going to shine them up nice with my little chamois cloths and, mm-hmm. uh, and a little bit of lemon pledge. Nice. Do
0: you, you polish know. your
1: cymbals? Uh, no, I just dust them off. Mm-hmm. Polishing that, uh, that, that stuff. Actually, if you polish them, a lot of that stuff that you use for the polisher can get into grooves and kind of dull the sound. Oh, right. So I, I actually just, I'll just dust them off and kind of shine them like that, but no actual cleaning uh, stuff goes on them. Mm-hmm. You know, so they look like they get played.
0: What record, what attacker record do you think has the best drum sound and why? Um,
1: hmm. Tell you the truth. I mean, uh, The Unknown sounds great. The new album, the new album's a little different because it's, the new album's actually a little more guitar heavy and a little more bass guitar heavy mm-hmm. than the previous albums. The other albums were probably a, a little more drum heavy and um so I, I would say drum sound was i would say the last two records probably have the best the best sounds you know mm-hmm. to, to my ears you know because mm-hmm. i really I, you know at this point the other albums were done back in the 80s i've definitely learned a lot more about my sound what i want out of it right so i think the unknown and the new album are actually that's my sound 100 mm-hmm. you know because because when i change heads and tune them again they sound exactly the same every time
0: do you get blood on your heads
1: uh, if I whack my finger, sometimes yes.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every so often, it's an occurrence. Oh, there's times I'll hit, I'll,
1: hit my, I'll hit my knuckle right on the snare, and it'll just explode, <laughs> oh and it'll be, you know, and yeah, yeah it, it they, happens. They
0: can't <laughs> make those snare rims any softer.
1: No, yeah. they can't. If you do, it just won't work. <laughs> you need the crack of that rim. <laughs>
0: right, no, it's true. So, um, what's the next thing that you want to uh, have the listeners hear? Uh, you know, what? Let's, let's play something
1: off our new album, actually. I was gonna, you I know? was hoping you were th- gonna say Yeah, that. why not, you know? let's get a little attacker time here <laughs> yeah we'll do let's do the uh, the first two which is actually uh, an intro to the uh, to the Giants of Canaan song
0: okay this is going to be out when you said in in Europe in February yes
1: February 2nd is the official release date at the festival and um, I believe like shortly after that is when it'll filter out to distributors and you'll start to see it online you know it'll, it'll it'll be up on Amazon, CD Baby, you'll be able to get it in stores uh, like Vintage Vinyl here in Jersey.
0: And I'm sure that you will be doing quite a big media blitz from your Facebook and from your oh, yeah. your, your website which is attacker.tv. Yep,
1: we've been we've been doing that all along just trying to pump it along and you know usually when a record comes out that's when you'll start getting a lot of you start doing a lot of interviews and you know when the reviews start coming in. So I'm sure it's going to get crazy. It, it's happened with the last records, I'm sure it's on the way.
0: And the name of the new record is
1: The John Giants, it's called Giants of Canaan.
0: Okay, so that's the name of the album. And that's... um,
1: I think on the back of that, they they put a misprint. They put the Giants of the Canaan or something like Giants of the Canaan. Oh, Giants
0: of the Canaan. Yeah,
1: that was just a typo by the the Mastering House. So It's it's actually just Giants of Canaan.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to hear As They Descend and Giants of Canaan sort of track one and two. Yes. Brand new from Attacker. Very exciting. My guest is Mike Sabatini and we shall return. Stay tuned. And we have returned. My yes, guest is Mike Sabatini of Attacker. In the flesh? Yes. That was
1: uh, Lord. Yes, that was Leige Lord with a, a lovely little track called Eye of the Storm. And I think Matt Vinci is listening. So uh, what's up, Matt? Told you I'd play it. So there you go. That's for you guys, man.
0: And how old is this record?
1: Uh, that was think? from, I think, 88. That oh, was the okay. last record they did. They're actually going to be doing... Uh, the Keep It True Festival in Germany in April. Oh, okay. And uh, they're going to be performing that whole record. And I think, uh, like I said, I've been, I've been corresponding with Matt on Facebook. And I think they're going to be doing like a, a show or two before they go to Europe. And I'm trying to see if we can, you know, work it out and have a on the show. Because back in the day, I, you know, I knew Matt, but we never got to play a show together. So I'm hoping maybe we can hook that up, you know, maybe do a show with them where and, are they uh, from matt's from connecticut i think uh, matt and one of the guitar players is from connecticut the singer joe is he lives in florida now mm-hmm. so i guess they got to kind of uh, that's why it's tough to put it together you got to get everybody to be free right to be able to get up and rehearse and i guess they'll be doing like shows close to when they go over to europe in april mm-hmm. and uh so you know it, it should be cool i love those guys love that record yeah. so you know hope, hopefully we get to do a show at leisure. so matt hook it up Help and us uh, out And <laughs> that, that
0: track was called Eye of the Storm And it was off of their Master Control record Yes And then uh, And we heard Fast as a Shark By Accept
1: Yep Which was the song That kind of You know That when I heard The double bass on that I was hooked That's it How to be a how to go for it Big time
0: And at the time I mean when that record Came out I mean, I remember just the Intro to that record So well Like just for Well I guess There was no Screwing around there It nah. was just like Whoa and Are for you kidding
1: And for us You know Americans We're like What, what, what the heck is that You know what I mean right. I, I guess maybe German people might know it because it was a German folk song but you know for us to hear that it was like this crazy intro into that scream and then you know this crazy double bass song so that was intense
0: what a a, uh, fantastic selection when when Mike told me that that, uh, that was on his playlist I I was very happy. Yes. Very, very, very <laughs> How happy. How could
1: you not be happy with that?
0: Hey, so I want to let everybody know we are WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, WFMU.org. <laughs> hey, we have a question from a listener, and I'm not sure if you want to answer this seriously or not, but which of the big four thrash bands do you want to hit with a cinder block, <laughs> <laughs> and why?
1: Uh, all right, that's that actually kind of—I'd probably want to hit Metallica, mm-hmm. only because after seeing that some kind of monster movie, mm. it's just like— you, you got all that going for you and, you, and you're a bunch of whiny little, you know, kids. Ah, well, you know, come on. Suck it up. You know, get on with life. You got all the money in the world. Life is good. You know, Meg- Megadeth. I like Megadeth. I like, you know, love love uh, Megadeth Slayer and Anthrax. I mean, I love Metallica, too. It's just the whole, it's just that whole thing with that movie just kind of, it just made me realize, like, what a bunch of little whiny kids they are.
0: And I had sort of a, the same opinion and my question was, why make the movie?
1: Exactly. It like, really, I didn't, it I really didn't p-
0: understand what they were going for in terms of credibility. What market are they going for? Like, that was the, the feel sorry for market? Like, I didn't...
1: You know, I, I mean, know maybe that, that really wasn't really the intention, but what yeah. had transpired, that's what it became. And they figured, hey, you know what? It's a great... People are going to like it because it's so out there. But, you know, I mean, again, I don't know if I'd want to be presented in the light in some of those, you know, the way things were. But, yeah, yeah it is what it was. But... <laughs>
0: Well good. Well thank you for being comfortable enough to answer that question, honestly. No problem,
1: you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know them, so I can say it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right, they don't know us.
0: <laughs> and um, I wanted to just touch on briefly. Attacker had a lot of Lord's of, Lord of the Rings references. Yes. In uh, early stuff, that was so long ago. Before when that was sort of like a cult thing, and I don't know if that was you or the. Or no, the that was that was actually
1: that was actually Bob Mitchell, a singer. He um, mm-hmm. he actually had the one who wrote, you know wrote the song, you know, the, the lyrics of Battle at Helm's Deep, the title, whatever. Right. I guess he had been you know more into that than the rest of us. So mm-hmm. so that was really him. And then on. on soul taker we had an instrumental called return to mordor Mm -hmm. so uh you know obviously the lord of the rings movies had been out already so i forget i i think what it was is he couldn't come up with anything lyrically so it wound up being an instrumental and that's pretty much why it became an instrumental and, and just chose that title. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know,
1: to tie it back in, I guess, to the battle stuff.
0: So is that something that you're necessarily into, or it was just a lyric um, sort of? It was,
1: he was actually more into it. It was more of a lyric mm-hmm. thing. I, I mean, I never read the books. I knew of them. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a fan of the movies, but everybody knows what Lord of the Rings was, but you may not have read the books. But right, even, especially
0: even, at that time. Yeah, yeah,
1: I mean, it was a you know big, big literary thing, mm-hmm. but um, I never read them, knew what it was about. Who knew all these years later it would blow up into these big movies and how popular it got. Right, yeah. So I I guess it makes us look good, like, you know, somebody knew something that somebody else didn't.
0: Right. (laughs) But it wasn't
1: me, so I can't take credit for that.
0: (laughs) Well, I would like to to give you credit, though, for sort of being the the force in the band. You know, when we were off mic, uh, Mike told me, that uh, that it was up to him, that he was really the one who suggested that they do a demo in 1984 and Oh yeah yeah I tell
1: you I tell you why cuz I had met I had met our, our original baseball player Lou Charlo in college he was in Hades at the time Oh okay And Hades They did a lot Yeah he yep. Hades actually um, they had already had been doing demos and they originally I think they had gotten signed to Metal Blade for one of the Metal Massacres mm-hmm. That's what kind of that kind of <laughs> kicked me in the butt to say hey you know what I want to do this too. Let's get the demo going. And we did it. And I don't know what happened with Hades. They wound up not doing Metal Massacre 5. They did have something on Metal Massacre 6. Mm-hmm. But that was really the thing. And then, and then during the course of, I guess, the recording of Battle at Helm's Deep... Uh, we were having issues with uh, the, you know with, with the bass playing from our, you know the bass player at the time Jimmy Schulman who incidentally wound up being Hades' bass player and we took Lou so we kind of flip flop oh. bass players because oh, uh, Lou was more our style and Jimmy wound up being more Hades' style you know Lou Lou uh, like I said having met Lou in college we became friends played a bunch of shows with Hades when he was in them when we were both pretty much cover bands doing some originals and uh, he he wound up leaving them to join us you know and then like I said a few months later Jimmy wound up in Hades so. <laughs> Strange twist of fate.
0: And are you pretty much the guy that does most of the business stuff for the van now?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I handle all that. You know, when, you know, handling booking the shows you know handle stuff with the recordings and you know it's uh you know like i said the other guys all we want them to do is write some good songs play well and that's it do what they got to do and you know if uh you know if there's something they can help with obviously they would Mm -hmm. but for the most part a lot of it i wind up handling which is you know which is fine i enjoy doing it anyway
0: yeah i can tell that you do what are you looking forward to most um with this uh festival season coming
1: up oh uh, just just to have a good time you know get, get to see a lot of friends that we made over in europe mm-hmm. you know and just go there do the best we can put on the best show we can and hope people enjoy it you know it's, a, it, it's just great to get out of the country and visit other places anyway it's you know it's a good time no matter what so i mean yeah. for us it's more it's it's not as much work as it is a vacation
0: is there an attacker back patch
1: i haven't <laughs> seen any big ones but <laughs> i uh, we we have we do have patches i have seen some people i guess make their own or the, oh, you know wow. so uh you know me i, mean, I I've seen people with stuff painted on the jackets, and, you know, we we had given a lot of patches out over the years there, and I I see a lot of them turning up, a lot of people with the T-shirts and random pictures, so Mm -hmm. so that's kind of cool. How
0: does that feel? It feels good. It
1: actually feels like, you know, when I'm just looking, say, on Facebook, and somebody will friend me, and I'll be looking at pictures of them at festivals, and somebody will be wearing an attacker shirt. That's actually a cool feeling, you know? Or other bands will tell us that, hey, we were over there playing a festival, and we saw a bunch of people with your shirt, so that's, that's like I said, definitely a good feeling that people are digging what we do. (laughs) <laughs> I like it
0: yeah, what do you want to get to uh, to next music? let's box. um
1: let's go uh let me see what did we do let's let's do um we did Arctic flame uh let's let's do uh, I guess what's next the operatica song mm-hmm. Let's do uh, operatica and then maybe we'll throw in some uh, some steel assassin after them
0: So uh, my guest is Mike Sabatini and uh, this is operatica Element is that correct yes
1: correct operatic element
0: check out attacker online there's you've got a reverb nation a yeah. Facebook MySpace a, myspace a
1: Twitter we have everything.
0: You have everything. Yeah, you have to these but the days. the man who has everything. If you, and if, he's if, actually come here to WFMU.
1: You have to be in the game.
0: It's true. <laughs> it is true.
1: It's a lot to keep up with, but you have to do it.
0: All right. So here's some uh, operatica element. Stay tuned.
1: My way, oh my heart skips a beat and I'm shaking with fright. But now I can see it's the lady in grey.
0: for us to talk again
1: yes very quickly
0: so we just heard steel assassin We heard
1: steel assassin hill of crosses right and uh g- those guys are a bunch of great guys from up in boston so i just wanted to give them you know a little playtime too and uh what did we do before that oh. i think that was our, the our Glen of the ghost. that was a uh, glenn of the ghost from our upcoming giants of canaan uh album and Some i believe and then, new what w- and then what was before that was that the operatica it was, I believe, was which we had already uh, spoken to who'll be on the show with us on saturday night at Thingbats. yeah so
0: there we go. And I just want to ask you briefly, I mean, your your journey with Attacker has lasted 30 years. Yes. Um, what have you done with this band that you never imagined that you would? And then the flip side, what have you not done that you well, thought you would have done? I
1: tell you, I mean, honestly, all, probably all, all, all of the overseas shows that we've done, I probably, you know, uh, once the band ended in 88, I would never have imagined that we'd have that opportunity to do and just get, you know, play overseas and have people actually remember who you are and respond to it, which was the greatest thing. Because the first, the first time we went over, we were actually nervous because we're like, wow, what if we go on stage and like uh, nobody's standing there? Everybody walks away. <laughs> and it turned out to be the exact opposite. At the end of the night of the first festival we did to keep it true, the promoter actually, when he paid us, actually said, you guys had the best crowd response of the whole day, I- including the headliners. So that was actually pretty amazing nice. and a good feeling that to know that people actually you know uh that liked what we did in the past and the fact that what we did wasn't a waste of time somebody actually appreciated it yeah. so that, that's pretty cool and as far as what we haven't done i mean i wish we would have done more records in the 80s kept it going longer mm. and you know maybe we would have made a little more of an impact and you know and and obviously hey who wouldn't want to have you know have been an arena band and you know broke big like that but we're blessed to have done what we've done, and the fact that we're still doing it and getting the chance to travel, we can't complain. There's no no, no complaints at all.
0: The arenas are waiting.
1: The arenas are waiting. I mean, you know, <laughs> at the Garden, I, I keep trying to book it, but they don't call me back, so <laughs> it's I don't just, know.
0: It's, it's just, well, you work for Verizon.
1: M- you know what? Maybe I can get in there corporately somehow. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I have to see.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. So I want to thank you for coming. You've been an awesome guest, and uh, the music that you've been playing is killer. Cool. And I'm glad. Uh, I'm
1: glad you liked it. Thanks for having us. I tell you, it's, uh, and you're you're like right in our backyard. So this is. It was great to be here. It was like a quick couple minute ride, and can't beat it. Thank I you very know. much.
0: And I just want to you know really thank you for the 30 years of service to the metal community. Well, you know, and it, you. It, well, it is one of those things that was like <laughs> you know because we We were talking about people who stick with it and sure. you know and and the way music sounds now and there's a there's a lot of newer stuff that I'm not really fond of and uh, there's a certain sound that attacker has that just has really you know, you've sort of held your own, and just you've got your eye on the thing that you want, and the new stuff sounds amazing.
1: Thank you, and and yeah. you know what? Thank you for playing us because I know you've been, you know, a proponent of, you know, a fan playing the band. We've always hear about, it. you know, it's always played on FMU, so I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You're
0: welcome. So, what are we going out with?
1: Uh, we're going to go out with the band Present Darkness with the song Present Darkness. Uh, they're another band that's going to be on the show with us at Dingbats on uh, Saturday night, the nineteenth. So. Everybody, you know, and in, in, uh, come out to the show. Support the local scene because without you guys, there is no scene.
0: It's true. And then uh, you've got the Facebook. The is it Bandcamp?
1: Uh, I don't know. We don't have a Bandcamp. No, well, we got to work on that. I'm sure something else is coming out that we're going to have to get to. But
0: no, you have the uh, Reverb Nation. Oh, that's
1: Reverb Nation, MySpace. Yeah, just just Google f- Google Attacker, metal band, whatever, and you'll you'll find a bunch of stuff.
0: All right. So, Mike Sabatini, thank you very much. And we're going to hear some Present Darkness now. that wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast and to Liz Berg for all the other background work. We are WFMU.